Welcome in, everybody, to uh, live coverage of the Browns uh, announcing today that they fired uh, defensive coordinator Joe Woods. Uh, I am joined by a whole host of uh, the OBR's contributors, Mike Keefe, Jack Duffin, Brad Ward. Thank you all for joining me uh, for a lunchtime edition of the OBR Live on Twitch and YouTube. I uh, I guess let's just, uh, you know, we've been talking about this a lot, right? We talked about this a lot in the post game yesterday, um, Brad and Jake and I about, uh, and Mike, I'm sorry, uh, uh, about how this felt inevitable to a certain extent, and it has happened. Uh, there was also a report from Cam Justice, and I think it was echoed by a few other folks that no other moves were expected, um, which is, you know, uh, I think something we can talk about as well. But let's just go around and, and kind of just give our first thoughts on on this move and 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 you know what you thought when you i mean for a lot of us except probably for jack you woke up and saw it right because it, it, they announced it uh before 7 a.m uh eastern time so um i guess with that in mind let's go to jack first since you've got the advantage of it already being evening for you yeah ton traveling over here it's great um <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of revisionist history that people like to go into this um i had one person mm -hmm. arguing till they were blue in the face they should have sacked him three years ago even though three years ago he wasn't even hired yeah. um yeah, that would have been early. <laughs> it would have been I a lot. If, if, if they've been That's watching Inception today, what, what kind of went into that decision-making? Um, but if we look at the process, hey, we won a playoff game. The team looked really good. Hey, how, how good was that defense against the Steelers? Um, they absolutely destroyed them in the playoff game. Mm. That was year one. So you're not going to sack him. Hey, we, we should have beaten KC if they get their helmet call on Soros and Higgins. So really good season. Last year, second half of the season, pretty much best defense in the entire NFL. That's not an understatement. You don't go and sack a defensive coordinator there. Yeah, there's some weaker teams they play, but that's stuff that should have easily continued into this season. They started with four weak teams, and it, it's not been good this season. And that's the point where, if you're realistically looking at it, forget hindsight, everything else of going, end of each year, it had been wrong to sack him in year one, wrong to sack him at the end of year two. Unless, obviously, if there's something ridiculous going on behind the scenes, fair enough. But there obviously wasn't. And this is the time where you go, enough's enough. Goodbye. Good luck in what you do next. And he's not been horrendous. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's not been great. But, hey, we've seen, like, Freddie Kitchens run an offense. That sort of level of horrendous. Or Deshaun Kaiser, QB, draw, or whatever it was. Um, I wanted to jump through a table, and I'm not even part of Bill's Mafia. Um so it was the right time to let go. And I think they were right to sit out to the end of the season because hypothetically, if they sack him midway through and Tavers takes over as the most obvious one, and he has this second half of the season, are we sat here today going, is it time to give him the full-time job? Mm -hmm. That's not unrealistic. So uh, play it right and let's see what's out there in the future. Right. And Jack, you, you know, you, you mentioning uh, Jason Tarver reminds me of another dimension of this, which is uh, the team, uh, as far as we know, has not announced the firing of any of the other assistants uh, that reported to Joe Woods. The expectation is that the new defensive coordinator would decide if any of those uh, assistants are, are uh, folks that he wants to work with or if uh, he wants to move on to, you know, sort of a fresh slate. So that that decision is still looming, um, as is the decision about anybody else on staff, uh, which seems less likely at this point. Um Brad, I, I want to go to you because, you know, we have talked a few times over the past week and, and really over the past month about uh, names that become available for this search. So, um, you know, I, I think I, I mentioned uh, yesterday after the, after the game that it feels like a good year to be in the defensive coordinator market, uh, given yes. some of the names that are available. 
um, that has to make this decision a little bit easier for the, for the Browns, I think, right? Yeah, I mean, this is a – we talked about this too. This is a must hit, right? Like, right. you have to hit a home run here. Now, there are a number of candidates out there. Let me uh, – so, first, let me react. I yeah, think, react first. You know, we'll do names in a bit, yeah. This uh, this was something that I had written about that I thought they decided a long time ago, and I mm-hmm. think that the early uh, – maybe the earliness that they did it, maybe kind of – might vindicate that thought a little bit of how quickly they did it. Um, You know, I'm surprised that Prefer is going to stick around. But listen, I don't like it, but it's not the end of the world because it's special teams, right? Like, I know it matters. Uh, They've been a little bit better. But, like, I think Jack put it nicely in the the buzz uh, on our forums that, you know, it's special teams, right? Like, it's not going to... I'm not going to erupt about it, but it doesn't make me happy because I feel like special teams has been inadequate. Um, So, uh, real quickly, uh, on names, we'll get into more names later, but, you know, they do have uh, already requested Gerard Mayo uh, for, uh, I don't know if you guys saw that, the Browns have requested to interview Gerard Mayo. Now, I talked about him the other night, Andrew, uh, that Albert Breer had went into length about about Mayo. Yeah. I mentioned it yesterday too. He doesn't want to move away from his like he's been in New England since he got drafted there in like 2008 or whatever. He does not want to move his family or whatever. So I think that Cleveland uh, or the way that Albert Breer put it, Cleveland is a destination where maybe he could go coach and leave his family where they are, you know, part of right. the year or whatever. Yeah, it, so that's I think a, that's a commute for him. Yeah, it's a it's a the location makes it ideal for him. And Breer pointed that out in multiple interviews when asked about potential hires for the uh, Browns DC job. And he is the first request they put out for an interview. So I think that's worth noting. Um, yeah, and no, that, uh, I think yes, that being the first uh, request that is reported, uh, certainly I think you know, and it and it being reported before noon on Monday, certainly, you know, gives an indication of where he stands on, on their, their pecking order. We'll, we'll, we will do more names in a minute here, Brad, because I, I, I know you, you've written a great article about just the sort of the universe of, of defensive coordinator options, but let's, I want to just keep the, keep yeah, the reactions coming. Um, Mike, uh, we, yeah, there was some sense that it felt inevitable, but I think, you know, it's a, it, to me, it feels a lot like the Baker Mayfield uh, decision last year when, when, they entered the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and that eventually all played out the way that it did, that it didn't feel like it was over until it was really over. So it, it feels in some ways uh, like a confirmation of something we already knew, as Brad said, but in other ways, it, it clearly takes this front office a lot to kind of get to the point of pushing somebody out the door. Well, I think it's a it's a shift in the way the Browns have been able to do things in the past. When, when you're a team that is consistently going Two and 14, one and 15, four and 12, five and 11. You're firing guys because they're just god awful. And you're getting rid of players because they're terrible. And it's easy. It's easy. I think there is a little perspective change that needs to happen here. Uh, Nobody wanted to go seven and 10. That's not a good record, but it is dramatically different than three and 11, or uh, I'm sorry, three and 13 or, or four and 12 or whatever. Sure. You're, when you're competing, all the way through the season. And again, it was the New Orleans game that the Browns were officially eliminated, although that is what it is. Uh, you're going to be getting rid of guys that are showing you some good things. It's like you said with Baker Mayfield. 
the, they had to come to a decision that this just isn't our guy, right. right, with Baker Mayfield. And maybe he can be good. He's just not the guy that we think is going to lead us to where we want to go. To Jack's point with Joe Woods, Joe Woods and his defenses have done some good things here. Have They have had fairly decently long stretches of pretty darn good football. And that includes this year. The back end of this year was pretty yeah. good football from the defense. But they had to sit back and say the inconsistency, the wild inconsistency is just not going to do it for us. We're not going to get to the Super Bowl when we have to wait for six or, six or seven weeks for this defense to figure itself out. And that's what it's had to do under Joe Woods. That's been a, a trend. We're not going to make it to where we want to go without – with 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 consistently broken coverage, like to see that broken coverage in that game yesterday, mm. uh, just harken back to the ones we've seen all season long. Uh, mm. We're not going to get to where we want to go, so it is a little different because I think we're stuck in this mode of talking about the Browns like they are the laughing stock of the NFL and they're the worst team out there, and because that's what we're used to, that's what it was like for so long, and it was just so easy to fire guys and get rid of guys. It, it's a little bit of a culture change in and of itself, in that. You know, I think it's a lot of fans would tell you this was an easy decision, but they did some good things yep. to give them some pause on this. And and that's, you know, we're talking about other coaches, Mike Prefer, some of the assistants, which, again, I don't think any of that's set in stone by any stretch. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a little bit more. They have to be a little bit more methodic about, methodical about how they go about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think that it 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 does kind of open up that conversation about, the other uh, coaches on the staff, right? I mean, Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry are addressing the media at three 30 this afternoon. Um, so that, you know, I think that combined with the fact that Joe Woods is fired, you know, it, that it really closes the door on any speculation about Kevin Stefanski's job security for sure. Yeah. The question is, does he see a need to adjust his offensive coaching staff to adapt to where they need to get to next season with Deshaun Watson at quarterback and some of the other you know, scheme changes more specific to what he wants to accomplish on offense that they maybe haven't been able to do over the past few years. And so I think, you know, that's something that bears watching. Uh, you know, I, I remember this time last year, a week or two after the season ended, there were there were rumblings around Alex Van Pelt maybe being a little bit dissatisfied, uh, looking at, you know, college OC jobs and, and you know, trying to maybe talk his way out. And uh, but, you know, for the most part, it held steady. Uh, Drew Petzing moved to quarterbacks coach, you know, uh, which is a position that AVP had kind of held as also OC. So there was a, a very small amount of shuffling last year. It feels like there's the scope for more this year, but it also feels like given kind of their overall philosophy, they could stick with what has worked or not worked, depending on your perspective um, so far and, and run it back next year with the quarterback being there for the whole season and see what that looks like. So I'm interested in everybody's uh, opinion on that, of like what that looks like for you. If you were in Stefanski's shoes, do you want to tweak your offensive staff at all? Or do you want to see these guys get nine months, you know, in Berea with Deshaun Watson and then see what comes out on the field next September? Jack, I'll go to you again. So as, as part of it, you've almost got to trust, Stefanski to make the right call here um, because mm -hmm. if you get a rough idea of like what a head coach is, what a DC is, what an OC is, but it, it's still even a, a largely grey area because the vast majority of work they do is all behind the scenes. Um, people try to stump it down to the two, three things that you see in a game on a Sunday and go, oh, that's, that's what they are as a person or they make far too much out of a press conference than is actually going on. But 
do you trust Stefanski to look at his room and go, actually, we need to get rid of these guys? I, I think you do because he's going to want to make sure he still has a job. So if he's looking at a guy and going, does this guy help me keep my job long term or not? He's going to make that call. He, mm-hmm. the, the guys that are his mates make no difference. It's, it's not people below him that are going to give him a job next year if he gets fired. <laughs> right. It's other coaches. It's what he does this year that is going to make the difference. So I think I would happily have some change at wide receiver. Um, to be fair, we, we've seen Coopers look really good, but he was really good when we signed him. DPJ, phenomenal job of developing him over three years. Other guys, not really seen much. But to be fair, we've not really had anything to work on. We've had like two decent investments in wide receiving as long as I can remember. OBJ and Corey Bloody Coleman. And mm. that's it. Um, <laughs> everything else has been dark balls. Oh, God. Um, because if you're picking someone late in the third, that's not a big investment. That, mm. That's a punt. That's um, right. So... If we're going to be honest, that's kind of it. I'd say you can fairly call Cooper it because it's only a fifth, but it's 20 million. Um, So three guys we've invested in over not many years, whereas you look at the Bengals, hey, everyone's a first or second rounder. Um, So is it the chicken or the egg? What is the problem in the wide receiver room? Is the talent coming in or the lack of development? Um, But that's the one where I'd consider making a change. I'm not really that bothered on the offensive side. If it all stays the same, so be it. And mm-hmm. Even Callahan hasn't been great the second half of this season. Right. And if Bill Callahan's struggling, it's not one way you go blow it up and sack Bill Callahan. You're going, mm-hmm. hey, this will fix itself. So let's roll with it. Yeah. Uh, speaking about the offensive side of the ball, um, Cliff Kingsbury was just announced in the last few minutes is officially mm-hmm. out in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, given that... Uh, uh, report that Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports did a few weeks ago that uh, Jimmy Haslam is now smitten with the air raid offense after watching Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel in Tennessee this year. Uh, (laughs) You know, there's got to be at least a little bit of thought that a guy like Cliff Kingsbury could find his way to uh, Cleveland as as some sort of assistant, maybe not an OC, but perhaps a, a senior offensive assistant. I mean, he's got bunch of paychecks coming to him from Arizona because he just got extended this past offseason. So, um, Brad, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot of specifically responding to that idea about Cliff Kingsbury, but uh, no, thank you. No, thank you to Cliff Kingsbury. And to be He's honest, I wrote about this. I think if you're listening to uh, your owner's uh, sure. schematic suggestions, you're out of your mind. Uh, and that once again, that feels very meddlesome. Uh, if he's trying to run that down to them. I mean, you hire people to make these decisions. Because Jimmy's favorite college team, he likes their offense, he wants to run it, that's childish and absurd. So, uh, that's a great way either way. Uh, either way, I do think you will see a large change in this offense. Uh, Deshaun Watson actually responded, yeah. do you think it'll feel different? He said very different and when elaborated on that. Um I think what you get from this offense, you know, this offseason or this offensive staff this offseason. Now, if AVP's around, I don't know. I don't have a problem with AVP. I kind of like him, actually. But um, I think that there is a position open probably on that staff. You can call him whatever you want to call him, uh, an offensive assistant, whatever. But somebody that brings a dimension or an expertise Mm -hmm. to some angle of the offense that they want to build on that maybe Stefanski doesn't have uh, at the ready, right? So 
Uh, I think that that is a higher we may see this offseason. But I also see think you're going to see them, and, and I heard somebody allude to this, they're going to take a lot of meetings. They're going to travel around and sit down with different coaches that are, are that you know expertise in this offense, in the RPO, in read zone, and they're going to get pieces, parts of every little thing they can yeah. and develop this offense to fit around Watson. So they're going to take meetings with you know Coach A, Coach B, Coach C. Let's see the presentation. Okay, ask questions. They're you know they're they're dialing into it. Uh, and then make these relationships so that this offseason they can kind of build the direction they want to go. So I think mm-hmm. that's the ideal thing. I think that's what they'll do. A lot of NFL coaches do that in the offseason. Um, and I think you also see a hire that maybe corresponds with that as well. Uh, Mike, uh, I think I know what you're going to say to this, but do you trust Kevin Stefanski to do that, to oversee a very different offense next year? Yeah, listen, first of all, I think I think that's a little bit I, – I don't think it's this big offensive mindset change from Kevin Stefanski. I don't think that's what's required here, and I, I don't think that's what he's going to be looking at. I think it's it's just a new situation, and and I do think he's going to adapt to it. I, you know, I think, I think Kevin Stefanski has run a good offense. I think you, a lot of people are going to point to the last few weeks, but Brad Ward has expertly said – over the last several weeks with Deshaun Watson, especially once they got eliminated from the playoffs, let this guy just air it out. I, I don't think yep. we saw, like, I do not think whatsoever, in any way, shape, or form, did we see the offense that's going to get run out there week one next year at any point, at I any hope point not. during these last several games. I think they were out there just, hey, let's run this play. Let's run that play. Let, let's see how this goes. It was almost like, especially once they got eliminated, it was kind of like a preseason. It was kind of like, a, hey, let's see what we got here. And I know people don't like to hear that, but that is, that is, that is what it is. Uh, You can't, I know people love to give him crap, but the guy runs the ball as much as anybody. He wouldn't have given Nick Chubb eight runs in that game yesterday if he wasn't just out there trying to get things figured out. And that's what they're trying to do. So I think it's going to be different, but I don't think it's this big, massive philosophy shift. I don't think there's guys that need to get, I don't think Alex Van Pelt needs to get let go. I don't think, I don't think any of the assistants, I don't think you got to be talking about getting rid of, Callahan and Stump Mitchell and those guys. I think it's don't get rid of Callahan. It's just a a a fundamental. I'm going to go into this preseason. I'm going to go into this training camp, and we know that the stuff that we're going to implement during training camp is stuff that we're going to be able to use week one. That's the thing that I think is getting lost in these offensive conversations. Is that sure they had Deshaun Watson in training camp? Sure they had him in the first preseason game, and all that was great. But they they knew they weren't going to be able to implement this stuff until yep. at least week week six, and then it got pushed to week eleven. Right. So it's it's not like you were out there full on go ready to go with this certain offensive package. I think it's just going to be, I think the continuity of knowing that you're going to be able to transition this right into a into a season is going to be enough. Yeah. Uh, to make them a much more fluid offense next year. Jack, you wanted to say something about Kingsbury. Yeah, firstly, if anyone out there wants to pay me until 2027 to sit at home, I'm all ears and willing <laughs> yeah, to take yeah. offers. Um, and I think that's the reason why he probably just takes a year out, and I wouldn't blame him. But wouldn't if blame he's him willing all, yeah. to do anything like a consultancy role as someone that just comes in, I don't expect him to be really part of the coaching staff, but someone to come in as a sounding board, just as a check and balance for lots of stuff, I think that would be really, really effective to someone just come in with experience, very different mindset. and Very just, different. 
almost push the defense as much as the offense of going, well, here's what I would do against you guys, because that's going to be a really, really useful thing. Someone that doesn't know and look as much at what, say, the Browns offense does of going, hey, here's what I'm going to go and do against your defense if you line up like that, Mm -hmm. um, I think would be beneficial to get maybe one on both sides to almost not be involved in the day-to-day, take a step back and go, well, if I'm looking at this front, this is what I'm going to go and do, um, because that's really going to push people um, to make the right decisions. Um, and I don't mind who those guys are. And I, I still think the um, Jimmy has some stuff is taken completely out of context. Um, I, I think he means we're going to be a pass-first offense, and he just thinks that's the word air raid. Um, it's like when the, the whole <laughs> RPO craze blew up yes. on commentary of like, Right. Literally, none of them were actually RPOs, but it was just someone kind of right. handing the ball off. And um, oh, it's an RPO. I, I think it's probably like that. If I'm going to be brutally honest. Well, and to go back to the conversation about Kevin Stefanski, and I tweeted about this before, but I, I think this matters. This is, you know, he he had the coach of the year his first year. They make the playoffs. They win the game. Then his second year, he's dealing with the quarterback injury, and there's a lot of reasons why the team didn't quite. What's that say? We've Adam requested Chapter Flores seven. as well. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. That is maybe not the best way to communicate that information, but uh, thank you all the same, Jack, for Mike was speaking. No, I, I like didn't it. want to uh, interrupt <laughs> his beautiful sounding voice. I thought you wanted to show uh, us your dog. Yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> and that's a cute dog. Uh, I, I, this is like the first time for – if we're talking about like philosophy shifts and stuff, with if we're looking at Kevin Stefanski, now this is the first time. he's He's got to be a part of firing his guys. Yeah. This is the first time that that it's like, all right, well, now we have to really sit down and say, this is not working. And let's not do that in the comments, Guard Dog Sports. They won in the playoffs without Stefanski. No, they didn't. <laughs> they did not win without Stefanski. He was a part of that whole thing. Uh, uh, this is the first time where there is a blowback. There's a failure uh, that is causing repercussions to people. So to have to look at Joe Woods and say, we're letting you go. Uh, that's his first time that he's got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so immediately, if that doesn't cause a little bit of a shift in the pattern of thinking for Kevin Stefanski to say, mm-hmm. well, okay, I don't want to do this because I want my guys, I want my coordinators, I want my assistant coaches to be getting offers from other places to come coach there. I want to have that going on. I want to have my little coaching tree happening. I don't want to be firing people because the more coordinators I fire, the more likely it is I'm getting fired. That's yeah. the way that's going to work. And sure. so hopefully – Hopefully that's a little bit of a it's it, I hate to call it a wake up call because I don't think he was asleep at the wheel by any stretch, but I think it's got to be some kind of kick in the pants to Kevin Stefanski. This kind of realistic whoa, now there's repercussions for us not succeeding and we've got to change it. Yep. Okay, I think that's that's great, and I, I, you know I wanted to just talk about changes. Brad, did you want to jump in quick? Uh, Steve Kime also has stepped down as general manager in uh, Arizona yep. as well. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it, we wanted to talk just a little bit about like what the rest of the coaching staff might look like. It, it sounds like we've got kind of a, a general philosophy that things are going to stay mostly the same on that side of the ball. It, you know, as I think people have said, there's no guarantees, right? I mean, these guys, there's the, 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 the next week for the Browns is all about having meetings, reviewing the season. And if in that, in the process of that, it comes to light that somebody wants to be somebody somewhere else or needs to be somewhere else, that stuff gets taken care of. But the the only the only guy that they couldn't move forward with is Joe Woods, and so that's that's where we are today. And I think there are some defensive assistants below that that are probably in the same boat, but they're going to let the next defensive coordinator make that decision, which is the right way to proceed. Um, I would be, you know, 
I would be surprised, Andrew. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm no, sorry. that's fine. I was about uh, to say what you're about to say, Jeff Howard. <laughs> well, yeah, Jeff Howard certainly needs to go. But I would be surprised if anybody from that staff is retained. Right. But you, but you would, yeah, Jack. Jack has a, a newfound love affair with Jason Tarver, and so he's Tarver, probably yeah. He, yeah. he loves, yeah. Jack, go ahead and talk just quickly about what Jason Tarver has done to the linebacker room. He's been great. We've had above-average linebacker play for three years. Lots of people want to blame the linebackers for the problem. The, the problems in the defensive tackles. Let, mm-hmm. Let's not beat around the bush there. And there's been no investment in there. We're not talking like, hey, Bill Callahan's had all the money, all the resources, and Bill Callahan does a good job. Imagine if we had said to Bill Callahan, you're not paying more than $5 million for an offensive lineman. You're having no pick investment outside of one guy in the second round and everyone else is day three. Would we consider Bill Callahan to be a special? We'd get, get rid of Joel Batonio, get rid of like Teller, and just go, hey, you can have Michael Dunn, Froholt, Harris, um, Hudson, and hey, even leaving Wills. That O-line is nowhere Red near Robinson. the quality of that. So I think he's done such a good job. And that is something I'm happy with because I don't want to spend on linebackers. Because if you're spending on linebackers, that has to come out of your cornerback safety, edge budget. Um, so no, I, I'm a big fan of Jason Tarver. So uh, yeah, hopefully he stays. I don't disagree with you. Like, I don't really have a problem with Tarver. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, if you're going to hire a defensive coordinator to come in here, they're going to want their own guy. That's going to be part yeah. of the deal, generally speaking. Especially if it's like a Gerard Mayo, who is a linebacker's yes. coach, first and foremost. Yes. That might that might work in Tarver's f- in favor, though, yeah, because Flores is a linebacker's coach this year. Uh, Mayo is a linebacker coach. And if he's a talented assistant coach at the linebacker position, those guys might come in and go, we like what this guy's doing. And yep. we understand what he's doing out there, so we're we're comfortable with him. So yeah, I, I could I could definitely see a venue where they bring somebody new in and they decide to keep him. So this is this is kind of the direction that I wanted to go, and 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 Philly is right on it because you know I, I mean despite our recent uh, small disagreement about the special teams coach, uh, Philly is is one of our one of our favorites. Um, uh, they're they're interviewing two guys that are more associated with a three four scheme. I mean Flores is pretty versatile right but Gerard Mayo comes from New England he is a New England guy through and through and the Browns defense does not look a lot like the Patriots defense so um you know the the I I without getting like I don't want us to put anybody on the spot of digging too far into what Gerard Mayo does because that's you know I don't think any of us are really equipped to have that conversation but but big picture wise the Browns, one of the things that the Browns have to navigate is not having a ton of resources to put into rebuilding their defense while at the same time potentially hiring somebody that has a pretty different approach uh, than Joe Woods did to like which parts of the defense to emphasize. So if, you know, I think the question is, how do you want the Browns to balance those two things? Are you, uh, do you lean more towards them bringing somebody in who is a better fit for their existing personnel, like a Jim Schwartz, for example, or do you lean towards them finding the guy that is the best fit culturally, philosophically with the leadership group, and then figuring the rest of that out uh, once they get to the to the player acquisition part of the offseason. I'll uh, I'm getting a lot of very strong nonverbal communication from the panel today. Uh, I'll go to Jack first because he politely raised his hand. So I think if you bring him in, the first sign that I keep an eye on is uh, Jerron Harmon, um, free safety for the uh, Raiders this year. I think that would be someone that he'd look to bring in. So don't be mm-hmm. surprised if there's some of these guys that he's got a connection with. 
um, that come in. That's going to be a cheaper guy there. Frees up some more money to do some other stuff. And it's very much been always a hybrid front in the Patriots. And if there's anything you hear, it's not the, is it 3-4, is it 4-3, is it this, is it that? They have been really, really good as a team of going. Because almost I, I used to look at the rosters and go, is this a 3-4 team? Just to get an idea of how many defensive tackles to do my predictions for rosters. And then I would just do 31 teams. I'd throw the entire thing out when I got to the Patriots and went, I'm not even going to bother looking at what you're up to because it never made any sense. It was like, everyone's <laughs> going to keep sort of six and four. And then you look at the Patriots and it's like five and five. And it's like, why? Um, mm. And so... I think it's one where he can easily come in and bring in guys. I wouldn't expect that it's what I've championed is all this money going into a little bit here, a little bit there. I think he's ideal to come in and do that where he's going to have great um, DBs. They love playing a bit of man in the past. Hey, our guys love playing man. If you bring in Harmon, that's probably your DB sorted. Um, at sort of a top level. You can draft some more guys behind that linebackers he can do what he wants but it's a clean slate there's jok and there is nothing else at linebacker um we've said hey we want to bring back walker we want to bring back tacky tacky some people want Dion jones there are options he can make but it's a clean slate and on the mm. defensive line it's miles garrett and a clean slate basically you've got you've got some depth pieces like alex wright winfrey who will probably be there regardless but no one else is really signed. So um, I, I think it's a really, really nice position. And if there's anything that you look at and people go, oh, Andrew Berry's done bad, there is not something set on the defense. The last thing you want is someone comes in and it's like, oh, you can't change anything because all these guys are guaranteed for the next two years. Pretty much a blank slate. So I, I, I'm excited. And he was loved by the Eagles and he was loved by the Jets during the head coaching interviews. So um, anyone that the Eagles are fond of, I'm also fond of. Yeah, listen, I'm with Jack on that. Uh, when when we're talking about do we hire a defensive coordinator, go with like the personnel or, or whatever, what personnel? Like that, when you when when that question gets asked, that's my only reaction. What personnel are we talking about here? Because outside of Miles Garrett, who are we concerned about? Whether we're lining up in 3-4 or 4-3 or 5-2, whatever. Uh, who, who are we concerned about? Uh, because nobody else has earned a spot there. The linebacking room. I like the linebacker room. Like you said, I like what Tarver's done with those guys. But, like, are we putting three or four of them out there? And can they can they adjust? Like, I, if you can't adjust to that at this point, uh, especially at those positions, I, I don't know what to tell you. So, for me, it doesn't really matter whether a guy, whether a guy comes in from a, a New England situation where who the hell knows what they're <laughs> going to run and what it's going to look like to uh, a, a more traditional 3-4-4-3. Three, four, four, three, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I I think they're gonna have some work to do in that defensive front to put guys in to fit whatever system the new guy wants to run. Uh, and and that I think is actually something that probably is appealing for a guy looking to jump into an, a defensive coordinator position. Is there this team is not already stacked with this loaded group of players that I've got to adjust my situation for to go coach these guys? I can go build my defense essentially from the front. And I can run whatever style I want to run. Uh, and that, that's got to be appealing. I would say, uh, real quickly, I think that in a perfect world, your uh, ideal culture leader, best available DC guy already runs a 4-3 in an ideal world, right? But mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that, you know, Gerard Mayo, especially being from the Patriots past, as Jack, you know, said, uh, and Mike said, uh, it's very, um, 
uh, you know, multiple, right? And it's uh, uh, it's very diverse. So I think that with the back end shirt up on this, you know, with missing sounds of free safety, right? Uh, the back end shirt up, I, you know, and nothing really pegged down at defensive line. Uh, I don't think a 3-4 is off the table. So I would just say simply, Andrew, take the best candidate. Take mm-hmm. the best leader, the best DC available, regardless mm-hmm. of scheme. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about Gerard Mayo. Um, you know, Brad <laughs> mentioned that that Albert Breer has been, <clears throat> been kind of saying his name a lot on Cleveland <clears throat> Radio uh, as a guy that could fit. Uh, the other name that, that uh, just got announced that they've requested is Brian Flores, who – obviously was head coach of Miami uh, through last year um, is actively suing the NFL uh, for discriminatory hiring practices, which I don't think, you know, he's in Pittsburgh right now as a, is he a linebackers coach or a special assistant? He's yeah. He's, he's in that sort Linebacker of a space. Coach. Yeah. So, so I, obviously it hasn't yeah, kept on, him from on. being. Sorry, sorry, Andrew, but c- come on, man. Like this, I, it's got to get called out. There's, there's like racial things getting said in the comments. I don't know how to oh, get yeah, this dude out. Oh yeah, I'll just block out. that guy. I'll yeah, can we get rid guy. of this, this idiot? Uh, do, I don't have. Do I have? Hey, block hey, Hugh W. Go away. I don't have don't... block power. Somebody That's else. That's right. We'll, we'll get him blocked. Don't come yeah. back. What are you doing? You're being an yeah. idiot in the comments. Get the hell out. Yep. Sorry. No, I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. He's blocked. He's gone. Yep. Okay. Great. Um. Yeah. So. 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 Uh, you know, that's that's the other name that we know so far. And those were the two names that uh, Kim Martin, um, Kimberly Martin from the NFL Network mentioned this morning. And, and uh, you know, she is known to be pretty well connected to Andrew Berry's side of the uh, the building. So, um, you know, the, I with Flores, I you know, I was always a fan of his in Miami. I, I thought that the the aggressiveness that he showed on defense, the versatility that he showed, and then just the... Like, I mean, they were in, in one of the more obvious tanking situations uh, in the past decade. And, you know, obviously he has now sued the NFL because of it. And the team just couldn't lose. Uh, they couldn't lose to the extent that they wanted to lose because of, you know, the job that he did coaching was my impression from the outside. And so um, that that's a name to me that not only is that a guy defensive scheme wise that I would be excited about the pressure piece, but but more than that, as a leader of men. Uh, the sort of vocal and uh, charismatic uh, presence in the defensive side of the of things that I, I I would get pretty excited about. So the more that I think about Brian Flores, you know that that's a name that is is very intriguing to me. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, I wonder how he fits with Stefanski, right? Uh, because they are kind of <laughs> like polar opposites, right? A little right. bit. No, I think that's a good um, question. And I wonder also, which maybe is a, the perfect thing, right? Like maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that might be ideal because of that uh, a little bit. But yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think both these guys, Mayo and Flores, are kind of cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're both very, you know, similar as far as their background. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, they both have a Patriots background, right? So, mm-hmm. but Flores, uh, you know, did a tremendous job as a head coach. Um, the question there is, I, I mean, he has some legal things pending with the league. Uh, he has a lawsuit pending. Um, how does that come into play? Yeah. Uh, and he may get some head coaching offers as well. 
if that is not a deterrent for teams. So um, I I don't really see Flores I as like a realistic landing for here in Cleveland. Personally, my opinion, I just think that one's kind of far fetched. I, I, Mayo, I think, I was, is right Brad, up there, but, Allie. Yeah, but but requesting him second, you know, the first two names to to be reported, I, that sure. changes kind of changes the way that I look at it. So that's well, kind of my. I love like the him. dynamic. I love the dynamic in the conversation, and I, I think he, I, I do. I think he's a strong candidate for Cleveland for he a is. lot of reasons. I think he knows the conference, the division. I think mm-hmm. that matters. I think he uh, comes from a a, a a lineage of success. You can you can point to his successes in the past, and they've all been there, uh, and it's easy to see. And I know he's got other things going on, uh, but for the people that say. You know, do we want somebody else in the building that's got some coaching experience, some head coaching experience, and some experience winning, and and what it's like, and what it takes to get to a team to winning uh, from the top? He's a really, really solid candidate. I I also love the Mayo idea. You know, he's he doesn't quite bring that experience. He doesn't quite bring. He's he's not been a head coach. He's not been you know higher than his current position. Uh, but you know, if we're if we're so, and, and again, I'm not real fired up. I'm not real fired up on how emotional does a coach get. And I don't think any of that matters when you're coaching football games. I don't think it matters, but you know, I do think having a little bit of a different dynamic in there would be, would not be the worst thing in the world. So I, I, the fact that these are the two first names that came out, like there are some defensive coordinators out there, uh, potential ones that I look at and I'm like, "Eh, Oh, maybe, maybe let's not. Uh, But having these two guys be the first two guys on the list as guys they want to talk to that, it makes me very I, i'd be okay with either one of these dudes right it, it um, at least shows they're swinging big right like yeah. they're 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 high profile names both of them right so right the, the, yeah these these are both names i mean flores has been a head coach gerard mayo has interviewed as a head coach these are guys that are certainly qualified to be defensive coordinator of the browns yes. potentially arguably overqualified to be defensive coordinator in that they are also qualified to be head coaching candidates so um and this this actually opens up another um, sort of avenue of conversation that I think is interesting because as I mentioned, Kimberly Martin is, is connected to Andrew Barry. These are the two names that have been reported thus far. Um, one of the, co- one of the questions, and I know Mike is going to poo poo this because I've already seen him poo poo this. So maybe we'll go, we'll go to Mike third, maybe fourth, fifth or something like that. Let's Poo-poo. I'll go to Jack first on this one. <laughs> um, the, the, the idea of, is this defensive coordinator position Andrew Barry's position to hire, or is this Kevin Stefanski's position to hire? I think they're both smart enough to work together. Um, because anyone that would go, hey, I'm, I'm going to put the insight in, I don't care about your opinion. Um, I'm pretty sure Andrew Barry has probably picked up the phone and spoke to Harry Roseman and asked him about Mayo. And why wouldn't you, if you were... Kevin Stefanski mm-hmm. not want Andrew Berry to go and do that um, because you're just spiting your face. So I think it's very much the name list is going to be led by Kevin Stefanski to go, hey, these are the guys I think. And then you're going to have Andrew Berry go, hey, have you, have you considered these guys? Not you need to hire this guy. We're not going to see the stuff that happened in the past. And yeah, it was bad. Um, but I think there is a much bigger collaboration. I think it will probably come down to the final one of Kevin Stefanski going, that's the guy. Right. But I expect it to be very collaborative and people working together because hey it, it you want people asking the right questions and going the last thing you want is if you're going into the interview is you're um going hey 
I'm going to come in and I'm going to do all this. And then you get hired on day one. Andrew Barry's like, yeah, we're not going to spend that resource in that position. So right. I think it helps from selling the vision to the, the person you're going to hire as a DC if you have Andrew Berry heavily involved because they're going to want to work together and go, hey, we can get behind this. We can do that for you. Um, and I think that's just going to help motivate the person to make the right call. So thanks to the dog for jumping on with this ball. I'm sure you heard that. I saw Mike smile. Um, but no, I, I think Kevin Stefanski's leading it. And why did the names come out this way? I think it's probably because they've had the people in the front office doing a lot of the research. And it's probably ju just for bureaucracy's sake, the front office that book these interviews and do the process. Um, I don't think it's Kevin Stefanski um, setting up the Zooms and going, hey guys, let's get on Zoom and uh, see if you fancy the DC job. Mike, Brad, no, either of you. Uh, well, I thought you were just assuming I was poo-pooing things. I don't even know what you. I'm thought giving I was you an opportunity to prove that. me what wrong. Was, what was what could I even poo-poo about that question, Andrew? Uh, the idea that it would be bad if Andrew Barry was hiring the coach uh, without oh. Stefanski's input. Here's what I will. I'm going to poo-poo. I'm going to do a little poo-poo here. Great. Uh, <laughs> I I don't think it's it's we always. And again, this isn't like a, a you thing. It's not a we thing with the OBR or whatever. It's a it's an everybody thing. It's always like an either or. Uh, yeah. Is this a Kevin Stefanski hire or an Andrew Barry hire? Uh, right. It's going to be a both hire. It's yeah, this be is both. what I thought you were going to say. And, and Dee Podesta is going to be in on it. And and like the whole front office is going to be in on this hire. Uh, so, yeah, a, 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 there'll probably be some players in on the hire. You'll probably, you'll probably get opinions from guys like Miles Garrett. You'll probably get some opinions out there from some of these guys. So, yeah, to, to, to break it down like it's either going to be a Kevin Stefanski or an Andrew Barry hire, no chance. Uh, I, I think one thing we've seen is that Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry in their tenure work together well. And they communicate well, uh, and and I don't I don't think one's going to step on the other's foot either way. I think the two of them will come to a consensus between them on who they want to bring in with the other people they get involved, and that'll be the decision. So yeah, I don't. For me, I, I just don't. You know, I think if it came down to it, and they they had two very different ideas as to who they wanted to hire, I think you probably go with Kevin Stefanski's gut because he's the guy that has to coach with the guy all the time. But I, it's it's going to be a team effort on this one i the browns haven't shown us anything different from that okay yeah. uh go ahead Brad. Poo -poo. no I, I i tend to agree that it will be a collective effort uh although i would say you know andrew that this is stefanski's call right he hires his staff it's his call uh now you know he going through he very much will reach out to Barry and Dee Podesta because they just, that's the way they work, those three, right? So, yeah. Um, but, but it is his call, I believe, to hire his own staff. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. And I think that's kind of the way that it should work, right? Because as you said, yes. they got to work together on a daily basis. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's, let's talk uh, quickly about, um, who else might get uh, requested? Who else might be brought in for interviews? Um, I, the way I want to approach this, look, I mean, we could pick, sit here and pick names out of a hat all day and probably not get their full interview list, right? Because that's just the way the NFL works. So what I want to do is take the angle of who do you want them to talk to? Who else besides Gerard Mayo and Brian Flores do you think should be on their list? Uh, Jack, I'll go to you first. Um, and I'll just point out that... Uh, that Gruff Twenty Two in comments already asked about Jim Leonard, um, and you know, there's we've we've talked about a bunch of names. This 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 type of this time of year is all about a big list of names, and then you know you you winnow it down from there. But who are kind of your two or three guys that you're you're hopeful, not necessarily that would be hired, but that they would get a chance to talk to Andrew and Kevin. So I'm I'm keen for Fangio. 
have that interview. Another guy that spent time with the Eagles. Um, that's probably where I'd start. Uh, Eric Washington is one with the Bills. Um, I think it's senior defensive assistant or what, and D line. I don't know the full glorious title he owns. No, that's um, right. But they're, they're sort of two. And <laughs> I, I was just frantically googling, and maybe once the other two come back to me, how many people they interviewed for the head coach um, mm. in spot because I as far as I'm aware in the past they've interviewed lots and lots of people and that's something I really really like they open the door wide let's interview lots of guys whether it's six seven eight and get that really good flavor because it's not just who you go out and hire there's probably really good pitches put forward where you're like actually this is a really good idea if we can take and implement or Mm -hmm. give to the new head uh, head coach DC combo of going this is what someone came up with in a job interview so uh no, spread that net wide, get as many good ideas as you can. Mike? Yeah, so... Oh, Brad. Oh. Go ahead, Brad. You want to go first, Mike? No, you, go me. for it. You? Me? All right. I talk. I already... <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, he's I'm, done enough. I'm just kidding. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, my, my favorite guys, I, I, I would very much like to see them interview Jim Leonard, uh, as, Jim Leonard, as mentioned, in there, because I think he is an elite defensive mind. However, I, I find it very intriguing to see if they actually do because of his background, right? Like, mm-hmm. he, you know, uh, will they reach that far? Not that it's off the board, but with his ba- not lack of NFL. I mean, he has some NFL background, but like a lack of a a you know, he's not your standard candidate, right? Like, so I wonder if this front office will reach that far off the board. I hope they do, because I think he is definitely uh, one of my favorites. You know, uh, a hero, Evero, I think is would be the ideal hire here. Now, if he gets a, a head coaching opportunity, he's going to take that. But I very much hope they would reach out for a uh, interview there. I don't, I don't know what he'll say to that. Uh, I would think they at least extend an interview to Mike Zimmer. I'm not, that doesn't get me like hot in the pants or anything, but you know, sure. Uh, and Mike then, uh, yeah, the Jim, pants. Jim Schwartz, uh, they should absolutely interview, uh, as well as, uh, let's see here. Uh, a couple other guys here that I, Eric Washington Mayo, they already reached out to, uh, you mentioned Fangio, Sean Desai, a guy I really like in Seattle, Mentioned him yesterday, Ivy League guy. He's very, very intelligent. Uh, I like him a lot. And then a couple guys that were mentioned in tweets this morning by some people uh, that may get interviews that I haven't done a ton of uh, background on. But Jerry Gray is the DB coach for uh, the Packers and spent like five years in Minnesota with Stefanski. Uh, they call him OG. He calls plays for them sometimes uh, as their DB coach. He will more than likely get an interview, I would assume, uh, because of the relationship there. Also, uh, the guy, other guy that will probably get an interview, whether he takes it or not, I'm not sure. He coached here in 14 and 15, but Anthony Weaver over in Baltimore will probably get extended an interview as well. I'd be surprised if both of those guys don't get an interview. Uh, and then the other guy that I think that they absolutely should bring in is Eric Washington. But let me make clear, those are a lot of names. Yeah. Uh, but clear. I but I think that they're the best possible hires are Evero, Leonard, and then I would say Schwartz, I think, are, are my top three. 
Yeah, and I would okay. say I'd say the two guys they have already scheduled are probably the two guys that that get me most worked up in the pants, as Brad would okay. say. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's just nip that in the bud right now. I don't know that we need <laughs> pants updates from anybody on the stream ever again. Let's just we'll just put a pin in that, and that can be a thing that doesn't happen again. Uh, Thank you. No, but I, uh, for me, Mayo and Flores Sorry. were the two guys where I was like, I really want them to go after and talk to Mayo and Flores. I really, really like those guys. But I see, I will say this: a couple of those guys that uh, that got mentioned, uh, because uh, like, like you said, Brad uh, Evero out of out of Denver. You don't know, you know, he's like the next kind of rising star. Do we know what we're going to get out of that? Is it even or Leonard? Do you know what you're going to get in the NFL yep. out of Leonard? All that stuff, but. I will say this. Some of those guys that maybe people aren't so excited about. Take Mike Zimmer. I know people would not get real excited by Mike Zimmer. For sure. Because Mike Zimmer is almost exactly like Kevin Stefanski mm -hmm. uh, from a personality standpoint. Kind of a just a laid back dude, not going to get all worked up about things. That's your impression but, of Mike Zimmer? No, nah, yeah, I think he's the opposite of that. He's the exact oh, I opposite. So. I don't think oh. so. I don't know. Oh, okay. But, uh, I'll send you some videos. But he, he, he coaches a pretty wicked defense. Like, the dude knows how to coach defense. He's been really successful coaching defense for a long time. And there would be a little bit of a seamless kind of fit with yeah. a guy like Mike Zimmer or a guy like Vic Fangio, who understands, uh, you know, and has been around it. I know people people hate talking about Jim Schwartz because of his head coaching tenures places. But, man, the guy is a, a killer defensive coordinator. And he's yeah. been successful everywhere as a defensive coordinator. So, I like the guys that they're they've already scheduled. Those would be my top two guys that I want to see them go for for a lot of reasons. Uh, but you know, if, if they made an announcement that they were getting Mike Zimmer, I'd be all right with it. And, and part of that is no matter who they hire, and I, everybody should remember this: this is not a just a switch. It's not a it's not a fix button. This is it, whoever they hire, whether it is your number one guy or a guy you didn't even want. This this is just step one to fixing the defense. Right. They got to get the right players in place. They got to now learn a new, uh, you know, a new coach and a new system. There's a lot that goes in just because they hire somebody that we like or don't like doesn't mean it's going to work or not work. This is just step number one. Mm -hmm. And so that's why for me, whoever they decide to hire, it's going to be very hard for me to sit back right off the bat and be like, oh, I don't like that. Because there's a lot of other things that have to go into this to make this work. Go ahead, Brad. Andrew, if you or all you guys i'll start with andrew if you had to handicap this mm -hmm. i'm sure you can find odds out there i'm sure i'll get them sent to me and you yeah. know bet online sends them all the time but uh if you had to handicap this who would be your odds on favorite would it be zimmer because of that obvious that seems like the obvious connection right uh no i mean i, I think you know at this point i i, I would say probably I mean, with Mayo being brought up by Albert Breer so much, and then yep. the fact that he got requested, and and just kind of where he is in his career trajectory, sure. uh, that that's probably the guy that I you know I think checks a lot of those boxes, and and um, I it just seems seems like that the, the early narrative points that way. So I think you know the the thing about odds, right, is that they're reactive to the news. So reacting yep. to the news that we've heard so far, Mayo is probably number one. But I I think. You know, I, I think to echo Jack's point, a, a, a fairly wide ranging search here makes sense for what the Browns need to accomplish, um, to, you know, and, and that also echoes Mike's point, right? That like they 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 have a lot of ground to cover with this defense. And it and and I know, Brad, you said this at the beginning of the show, it, it needs to kind of hit the ground running. Uh, so 
there is there is pressure on this hire to 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 be correct and i think one of the ways that you can you can really make sure that you have a good process is to get a lot of people involved in that process yeah i agree i just didn't know if like i wonder how the national public would hand you know would handicap or how vegas would handicap it yeah because they I usually mean, go to like connections but i agree that right now the mayo thing feels right you know yeah I mean, and i just guy. i i i don't i personally do not pay much attention to vegas odds on these things because i think they're more they're more reflective than predictive sure jack did just, you want to say something just on the previous search because I've, I've, I've done me googling there were seven candidates for the head coaching job right so um i'd expect something in that range yeah um and as right. pete smith pointed out on twitter um you won't probably hear a report with the leonard interview because it doesn't need a formal request with him being Precisely. in college. So right. that might be one that happens completely under the scenes. Zimmer would be the same way. Um, yeah. So yeah. Th there'll be some that it might just leak out on the day of the interview rather than mm -hmm. in advance where yeah. we and get these ones. Um, right. It wouldn't surprise me if their whole list, it all gets done today um, of people contacted and right. some will leak out, some won't. Um, right. I expect them to be thorough though. So that five plus a minimum. That is a good reminder of just some of the process stuff here, right? So the process is that if a, a play a coach is employed by another team, the the Browns have to formally request permission from that team to interview that coach. The team can't block that request, but they still have to do it. So it's it's this weird formality where the Browns have to reach out to the Patriots and say we want to talk to Gerard Mayo. The Patriots have to say yes. The only way they could block it is if the the coach is employed in the same position. So it has to be a promotion. So because right. Gerard Mayo is not officially the defensive coordinator, he cannot be blocked from interviewing with the Browns. So if anybody on Twitter it, watches this video, the Browns are not going to hire D'Amico Ryans as their defensive coordinator. He is exactly. already a defensive coordinator, right. and he is by far one of the top head coaching candidates out right. there. So just throwing that out there. I've right. seen his name on in like every other tweet. Hire D'Amico Ryans. No, he is already a DC. They right. don't have to approve him to move. It's a lateral move. So uh, Brad says D'Amico so. Ryans is the next next head coach of the Browns. Write yeah. that on Twitter. No, Publish. it's not what I said. That is, <laughs> that is false. That is not what I said. All right. So the, so ahead. so 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 to further clarify, now with Ajiro Evero, he is the defensive coordinator in Denver, but they don't have a head coach. So the Broncos could decide to let him interview with other teams for a lateral right. move because they might not want to keep him depending on who they bring in. So that's right. one where it's a little bit in flux. The other dimension here is any coaches that are in, on playoff teams. Um, I, I don't, I know that they recently changed the timeline on this so that it's yeah. all standardized. I think it's the week of the 17th. So I think next week is the week that those player those coaches can interview. I could be wrong on that. We'll, we'll, we'll clarify that for you at some point, but for example, Eric Washington who works for the bills, um, they can request an interview with him, but then scheduling it is up to, there's like a window for coaches yeah. that, that work for other teams to be interviewed. So um, that that's kind of the, the way that this works. Um, and, and I think while we're talking about coaches that are uh, other coaches that are out there, another coach that could fall into the same uh, situation as a Giro Evero is Raheem Morris in Los Angeles. If Sean McVay decides to step away, Raheem Morris would probably interview for that job as a head coaching candidate might interview for other jobs as a head coaching candidate, could be available as a defensive coordinator. And then the last one I just want to mention quickly is, I, you know, it, it, this would be a longer game. The Browns would have to be pretty patient. But if the Buccaneers get uh, wiped out by 
Dallas on uh, this weekend, and the, they're 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 sent home. If Todd Bowles is one and done, he would be a very strong candidate as a defensive coordinator. But obviously, that would re- require him to be fired by the Buccaneers, and so that would that would drag on into next week. Uh, Jack, you wanted to say something. Yeah, just on some uh, futures and reserve contracts that have been signed by the Browns, oh, because these are guys that are like practice squad guys aren't naturally kept for next season. So guys mm-hmm. who are under contract still have to report. Um, but you've got wide receiver Dale Baldwin, safety Bubba Bolden, wide receiver Mike Harley, linebacker Story Jackson, edge Sam Kamara, running back John Kelly, tight end Zaire Mitchell Payden, defensive tackle Roderick Perry, Wide receiver Marquez Stevenson and tackle Tyrone Wheatley have all been uh, signed. There might be more that come out, but all yep. of them have got uh, contracts to come back from camp. Don't be surprised if what happens is we get to like free agency, we get to the draft, and they start cutting these guys and replacing them with uh, UDFAs, but they are hanging around. And it'll be interesting to look through the list and see who they haven't signed. That'll be more telling. Right. Did anybody add uh, Lovey Smith to the list of people that they could We talk haven't to? talked about Lovey yet. I mean, he's there. He's a defensive he coach, and he he's available. available. Just Knows saying. how to win a game he shouldn't win. Ask Jake and just enjoy the reaction. Yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to fire uh, everybody up with this. Right. Yeah, okay. So um, I think we've you know, we kind of covered who the candidates are. Um, you know, I think let's let's just go around. I think, you know, Brad had, had the right idea. Like, who do you see as the next defensive coordinator of the Browns? Uh Brad, I'll, I'll I'll shoot it right back to you. Who do you see? I mean, today I would say Gerard Mayo, right? Like same mm-hmm. thing you said. Like it very yeah. much feels like that's. But but that I mean, but that's really one. the The problem with that is that's only one guy we got information on, and then right. correspondingly, he was the first guy they reached out to. So that is yeah. kind of reactive. We don't know the inside information on the other stuff. There's a lot of connections to dive through. When you look through these guys' work histories, you can draw a connection to, like, Stefanski or Barry. Oh, for sure. And almost every coach that you yeah. look at. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, with Eric Washington, for example, I'm sure a Leslie Frazier conversation about Washington to Stefanski and Le- Leslie Frazier and Stefanski are very tight, Put could put Washington in the driver's seat to get that mm-hmm. job, right? Yeah. So, like, um, I think <sighs> I'm going to go out and say that I see – Schwartz as the head coach wow. as the defensive coordinator of this team. Wow. Okay. Mike. Uh, yeah. Mine is uh, Brian Flores. I think uh, I would have told you that yesterday. Uh, I would have told you oh, that great. Uh, un- okay. until that, until that changes or, or until something happens, assuming that there isn't some weird thing that goes on with his lawsuit and the league and all that stuff. I don't think that's going to hold anybody back from any kind of coordinator type positions. Uh, and I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he brings a lot from experience and style and attitude and everything that a lot of Browns fans want to see. So I, I would put, uh, not that I'm going to put money on it, but I would put money on Brian Flores as the next DC okay. of the Browns. Jack, uh, Mike's willing to bet you money. Well, there's only one thing I'll put on my chips and that's Mayo. So I'm all in. Hey, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because it is simultaneously a little bit of a blessing and a curse, right? To have a guy with a with a, a last name like that, the the number of cheesy puns that would was naturally Jack follow. 
Was Jack talking about chips or French fries? Chips. Well, I think you'd put, call them French fries, but yeah, I'd, I'd call them chips. I put mayo. Do you I'm actually burgers. put mayo on your chips? <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, what? not like on, but as a dipping sauce. It's a Wisconsin thing. They're crazy up there, bro. Yeah. I went there for Christmas Day, and they were all sat there drinking mm-hmm. beer and eating chicken mm-hmm. wings. I loved it. Yeah. Let's go. That's Health insanity. Part of the world. I've never heard of such debauchery. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, yeah. And Super Surge is asking the important questions. Dukes or Hellman's, which is a, you know, now we're yes. really digging into it. As long as it's now not, what's the other, what's the question? Can I change my, an- can I change my answer from Schwartz to, I honestly, mm-hmm. Evero would be my answer, but I just wonder if that can actually happen. So, right. I think the logistics of that, it's kind of like, you know, the, the question is how much of a hurry are the Browns in, right? Because if this, right. if they're comfortable with this going into next week, then I think you probably get clarity on the Sean Payton, you know, drama and everything else by the end of the week. Um, and so then Evero's position becomes a lot clearer. So it, it feels like the Browns will probably be patient and like, let this come to them a little bit, at which point then, it, you know, somebody like Evero, or as I said before, Bowles, Raheem Morris, those sorts of names become available. So it really, Honestly, now that I'm saying that, it behooves them to be patient with this, right? That they it don't. Does. They, they. I mean, they can they can interview Gerard Mayo this week, but they probably ought to wait for some of these other situations to become clear over the next, you know, ten weeks to to or ten days to two weeks. Yeah, I mean, I guess that'll show us like how set they are on a certain person, right? Like, right. Yeah. I, I expect they have a as, time. Yeah. yeah, as Jack said, I think with a seven man head coaching search. And, you know, just like, I mean, very much in line with getting data, collecting information, right? Like, I think they're going to be as intentional with this as they were with the head coaching search, which means a lot of interviews probably around. I wouldn't be surprised if they did second interviews with a list of finalists. Uh, and, and, and you know, in terms of people wanting to know what that means timeline wise, I feel like it's a, probably a two week process. Yeah. For a Super Bowl. Let's go. Right. Yeah. Because really the next deadline is, is the Super Bowl when, when a lot of that staffing stuff happens uh, right after the Super Bowl. Jack, did you want to say something else? I've got to run, guys. So um, Me oh, too. Okay. Yeah, let's wrap my, it up. Then. Dinner's being cooked, so uh, I, I know that's weird for you guys. Time dinner's wise, being yeah. cooked. I got to go. My lunch just, break is over. And just remember that Miracle Whip <laughs> is BS. Yep, that's absolutely true. Okay. Thank you to Jack Duffin for uh, – uh, uh, postponing his dinner. Thank you to Brad Ward for postponing his work, apparently, and yep. uh, Mike Keefe for uh, you know poo pooing everything I suggested. Uh, and uh, thank you to all of you. We've got uh, great numbers. Everybody is uh, tuned in, and we appreciate that. Um, we will be back tonight. Actually, this this group of three guys will be back in like what four hours, five hours? No, we'll be back at Six seven hours. o'clock. We'll be back in six hours at seven o'clock to discuss this further. So join us then. Uh, for more of this, if you like this, we're just going to keep doing it. Uh, Let's so we'll do see it. You. Yeah, we will see. We'll see you soon. We will mostly talk about mayonnaise. Because Made that's by Lucifer. <laughs> that's what the people want. They want mayonnaise takes, and we're here to give them. See, it's uh, they want you. mayonnaise and hot pants takes. That's right. Thank you to everybody for joining us. We'll be back soon. Uh, until uh, tonight, go Browns. Do you guys really eat?